Welcome to Kingdom Perspective Broadcast, the teaching ministry of Dr. David Ogaga. We believe that this message is going to open up the seals and cause you to have a deeper revelation into the Word of God that will make you see beyond the letters in the Word. Here is Dr. David. Precious Lord, we thank you once again for exalting Him even at this moment. We do ask, O oh God, for your grace, wisdom, revelation, and understanding. Into that, O oh Lord, which you are going to share with us right now in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. May I take it back to where it was. You just scattered it again. I'm sure you're not recording that one. Praise God. All right. Um, we're going to continue with uh, a subject on the genealogy of Christ. And this is going to be part number three. I shared with us a couple of things last week in relation to the effect of. Uh, the Spirit of Christ and that which Adam also did. And so we want to continue on that. Praise God. So, yeah, I'm just going to be in the subtopic here. This, the, the, the power and the genealogy of Christ is, is part of what I'm going to be sharing about now. I touched a little bit last week, but I want to um, cap it up again today. Again, we start from 1 Corinthians 15, verse 21. And, um, hallelujah. 1 Corinthians 15, verse 21. For since by man came death, by man came also the resurrection of the dead. For as in Adam all die, even so in Christ shall all be made alive. But every man in his own order. Now that's what I want you to pick for tonight. Christ the first fruit. Afterward day that are Christ at his coming. Every man in his own order. Every man in his own order. That's the, the thing I want you to pick. And so when you look at it from the New Century Version. You don't have that. I want to read that. He said, death has come because of what one man did. But the rising from death also come because of one man. And in Adam, all of us die. In the same way, in Christ, all of us will be made alive again. So now, the word order from the King James is very important in this particular passage. When he says every man in his own order, First Corinthians 15, that we're dealing with, praise God, from verse 21 to 22, is actually what we're dealing with there. Praise the Lord. Okay. Where you find the order is verse 23. But every man in his own order, Christ the first fruit of the word did and Christ at his coming. Now what order is the Greek word tagma. And that explains so much about this passage. Tagma. 
Tagman actually means something orderly in arrangement. Something orderly in arrangement. It talks about a troop, series of succession or order. A troop, something that is going in series, something that is done in orderly arrangement. Meaning all that died in Adam, the power of Christ is to restore them to glory again. But this is done in succession. By implication, not everyone is coming into that place of glory at the same time. This is to be achieved in patches. Like what you have in the military, for instance, you have battalions. 98 battalion, this one brigade, you understand that? They are all military people. But they have different colors for those battalions and brigades. Right? And they have the number of people that makes up each of the battalions or the brigade command, whatever the case may be. I don't know if you're getting that. Good. Now, that's exactly what this word order stands for. It stands for a group of people rising or coming to the place of glory part time, then other people coming in after that. So for instance, it's another way you can look at it is like you are in a school. You can have class one, you have class two, you have class three. They are all in the same school but different segments in terms of classes. Again, you can see it from like what obtains in the Anglican or Roman Catholic Church. You can have things, I mean when I talk about other churches, you have things that is called Order of Columbus. Have you heard about that? Right. Some have the Knights of St. Christopher's. Right. Now these are people within the church system that perform specific functions, especially in times of ceremony. They have duties that they perform. They are within the entire body, but they have a group of order. I mean, in terms of function or capacity. I think the best thing I can use to describe this for you is the difference between the order of Aaron and the order of Melchizedek. These are orders. I don't know if you're getting that. True. When you talk about the order of Aaron, for instance, you're talking about what obtained in the Old Testament, Aaron as a priesthood. Now when you come to the New Testament, you are not talking about the order of Melchizedek. Now in the order of Aaron, for instance, only a few were priests. The order of Melchizedek, everybody is coming to that priesthood, which is called the priesthood of the believers. I don't know if I get it down. Right. So the Bible is say every man in his own order. So for instance, we will talk about the order of Aaron. That was the time. And then we talk about the order of Melchizedek. That's another season. I don't know if I get it down. So he say everybody is coming into glory, but every man in his own order. And he said, Christ the first fruit, and then they that are Christ after that. I think I have a, a translation here that gives us a little bit of that. Um, that verse. For instance, let's look at the story in the book of um, Acts chapter 15. Uh, now, this, um, let's start from verse 13. Acts 15, verse 13. 
This is when um, they were deciding as to who, I mean, what the the Gentile believers should do or not do. The Jerusalem church, the elders in Jerusalem church, they were to decide the fate of the new convert from the Gentile world. Um, what they should eat, what they should not eat, and all of those things. You know, they always say, don't take blood and all of that. They now said, okay, they came together. What can we tell them to do or not to do? Okay. So verse now, Peter can remember, narrated the story how that, you know, uh, Colinius came in. I mean, in Colinius' house, he went to Colinius' house, everybody got into the fold by baptism of the Holy Spirit, as it were. So, Peter now came in and narrated the story. So let's look at verse 13. After they had, after they had, they had held their peace, James answered, that is after Peter has spoken now. Say, men and brethren, hearken unto me. Simon had declared how God at the fourth did visit the Gentiles to take out of them a people for his name. That is, now know the word. It is a take people, a people. That is, for instance, now you find that Colinius was a Gentile, but now it's like he began a new season for the Gentile people to come into the faith. Because we are made to understand what the first Gentile to be converted. Is that okay? So that's it took a people. That means if it took a people, that means there are still other people. Are you, are you getting that? Okay, fine. Now 15 says, And to this I agree the words of the prophet as it was written. Proverbs, book of Amos. We're going to we check that later. Amos, I think chapter 9 verse 12. After this I will return. This is what Amos said. I will build again the tabernacle of David, which is falling down, and I will build again the ruins thereof, and I will set it up. Verse 17. That the residue of men will seek after the Lord, and all the Gentiles upon whom my name is called, say the Lord, who dwelt all things, all these things. Amen. So that is taken from now. James is quoting from Amos chapter 9, 11 to 12. Talks about the tabernacle of David. Now, you, you should understand the difference between the tabernacle of Moses, the tabernacle of Solomon, and the, the tabernacle of David. All of the tabernacle of Solomon and that of even Moses, they had a partition. The partition has to do with the holy place, the most holy place, and then the outer court. The three segments. Is that okay? But the tabernacle that David built did not have that demarcation. If you stand here, you can see straight and see the ark over there. And then David was worshipping. Now this tabernacle was built behind his own palace, in quote. And David used to go there to worship. Now David was not qualified to worship in the temple as a high priest. It was only the high priest that was qualified to do that. David was a king. I don't know if I get in this. Right, but now David was worshipping there, so he started a new order. And the fact now is, if he can have access to that place, remember the Bible says we shall have boldness to come to the throne of grace. So everybody have access to God now. So David had access to God, even though he was a king. So he started a new order, different from the order of Moses and that of Solomon, in terms of the tabernacle. Are you getting that? So when we talk about the tabernacle of David has fallen, that means that everybody have access to God. So what is the argument here is, even the Gentiles now have access to God, just like the Jews have access to God. No more demarcation. Are you following that? Okay, but verse 17 is the important thing. And I would like us to, um, if I may use that, let me, let's take it from the New Living Translation. Um, verse 17. Verse 17. 
Look at that. Okay, go to verse 16 and let's read it down. 16. Afterward, I will return and restore the fallen house of David. I will rebuild the ruins and restore it. Now look at the next thing. So that, what happened? The rest of humanity may seek the Lord, including the Gentiles. All those I have called to be mine, the Lord has spoken it. Did you get that? The rest of humanity. Remember, it talks about the order. Every man is one in his own order. So now he's saying, after restoring the tabernacle of David, the rest of humanity will come seeking the Lord. Are you getting that? So the resurrection has to do with everybody that fell in Adam and everybody has to be restored in Christ. Like I keep saying, if you say that no, everybody can be restored in Christ, that is to say the blood and the power of Adam is stronger than the blood and the power of Jesus. But what God is doing is in patches. But here he is saying the rest of humanity will do what? We seek the Lord. And if God said the rest of humanity will seek him, we have to agree with that. Because the excess of restoring the tabernacle of David is for the rest of humanity to do what? To seek the Lord. Praise the living God. Can you get that? And say the mouth of the Lord have done what? Has spoken it. And made all these things to come to be. Praise the living God. So the Lord is now busy raising the first order of people. That will finally be the ones to restore the rest of humanity through their message, their lifestyle, and what they stand for. Now, you must understand, this is like a kind of priesthood, I would say, because the excess of the priesthood is the restoration of those who walk out of the way, like you can find in Hebrews chapter 5. Is that okay? So God is raising a, a priesthood, if I may use the word right now, that through them, they'll be able to restore other people. Let me show you that. In fact, you can call this a manifestation of the sons of God, if you will. Like you find in Romans chapter 8 verse 19. Creation is waiting for the manifestation of the sons of God. You can use that. But let me show you this. Ephesians chapter 2. Let's read from 6 to number 7. Six and seven. And I raised us up together. I made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus, right? That, this is the point. Why are we sitting together with Christ Jesus in heavenly places? That in the ages to come, he might show the exceeding riches of his grace in us. That is, in his kindness towards us through Christ Jesus in the ages to come. That means salvation is not ending in your age. You must stop believing that. God is dealing with ages. Hallelujah. We often say this the age of the kingdom. Do we say that? And we, in fact, we said the age of grace. The age of grace, some people think, okay, because the age of grace is going to shut down. No, no, no. What the scripture is saying here, you have received grace, and God wants to use you to reveal this grace to other people in the ages to come. Because the rest of humanity must see God. 
According to Acts chapter 13 verse 17. Are you getting that? Praise God. So, <laughs> I need to shout this for you to hear. God is not closing the curtain in this age. We are moving from this age to another age. We must come to the fullness of the age of the kingdom. We will come to the place where all enemies are brought under the feet of Jesus and he commits the kingdom unto the Father. These are ages. So all we need to preach about is where the age is closing, time is closing, you know, age of grace, when it shut down, nothing again happens. You don't understand scripture. You've been this age of grace for about 2,000 years now. If God is going to shut down the ages, why haven't you shut it down so that even you, you shouldn't have partaken of it. How old are you? We have this feeling that other people can't come into the kingdom. We're behaving like the, the prodigal son, senior brother. We are offended, even though we are preaching to people. We don't have hope for them. All we think about is everything is ending with us. That is why there's the emphasis of the rapture calculating 10 years time is finished, whatever. You know, everything is not ending in your age. You're joking. Read the Bible. God has plans for humanity, not just petty religious thinking. Everything is ending in your age. Who told you that? Okay, look at it from the New Living Translation. Read it again from, oh glory, glory. Verse number 6, New Living. For I raised us from the dead, along with Christ, now from the dead. And people don't understand what it means to rise from the dead now. They don't understand it. That's the confusion. You are raised up from the dead. Where were you dead? Were you in the cemetery? Anytime you think about raised from the dead, you think about someone in the cemetery. Very low way of interpreting scriptures. You can understand now why Peter will say, mm, reading the words of, of, of Paul, if you are not careful, you, you'll be misled, get confused and be damaged. Why? Because they can understand the language of Paul. What does it mean to rise from the dead? Rising from the dead doesn't mean somebody from the cemetery. To rise from the dead means you left the realm of Adam. In Adam all died. In Christ all have been made alive. Rest resurrection. All you think about resurrection is what happened in the cemetery. That's not what the Bible is teaching. Praise God. For he raised us from the dead along with Christ. Oh glory. And seated us with him where? In heavenly place. He didn't say he shall raise up. He raised up already. He was sitting where? In heavenly realms because we are united with Christ Jesus. Does it make sense to you? Look at verse 7. So God can point to us in what? A future ages. Future ages. All future ages as example of the incredible wealth of his grace and the kindness towards us as shown in all he has done for us who are united with Christ Jesus. That through us, praise God. Are you seeing it? So that, why are we sitting together with Christ? The reason we are sitting is so that. <laughs> what did he say that? God can point to us in all future ages. In other words, you know what that means? When you point it to somebody, you give an example of that individual to some other people. 
And say, see what I've done in the life of that man? This is what I want to do to you. So in ages to come, man will be seeing you as the example of what to walk into. Just like Christ for an example of humanity. God is raising the people today who are going to be example to other people to come. In ages to come. Praise God. Are you see them? But the church won't see this. They won't see this. You know, people give you calculation how soon the world is going to end. <laughs> when Jesus, you asked me the question, when he said it, if you sin against the Holy Ghost, you can be forgiven in this age and the age to come. What was he referring to? What do you think he was talking about? The age of the Lord that he was living in and the age that was to come with the age of the Holy Ghost. He wasn't talking about something too far off. He was talking about just when he's going to die and go to the cross. We don't understand what God is doing. And so we shut every other person. We, we shut down all that humanity. And the only thing you tell them, well, if you don't believe what I'm telling you, you're going to hell. No more hope for you. You are lost forever. You're joking. <laughs> you don't understand the mind of God. You don't know the intent and purposes of God. I will share something with you after now. Maybe private conversation. Because a lot of people have been watching online. They can't handle it. So I don't want to discuss that. But if you turn to and go to the book of Second Chronicles or so. And begin to read. And find out when, when they were eating the Passover. And there are some people who were not there when they were eating the Passover. Right? And then Moses came along and said, Okay, this book will eat the Passover. And the priest came along. This book will not eat the Passover. Let them have another time to eat it. Have you read that? What is Passover? Salvation. Oh glory. Hallelujah. And I will discuss the full content of that for you. For you to be thinking that God is closing the door now. It means you don't understand scripture. You're just saying that of your religious zeal and all that you know. Nothing more. <laughs> Praise the living God. Mm. So here he's saying... Those of us who have received this grace right now will be able to show we are going to be an example. We are going to be people that God points on to and say, This is what I want to do in your life, what I've done in that man's life. Can you look at him? The same thing you read in Hebrew 12. Hebrew 11, they without cannot be made perfect. Therefore, we surrender by sacred to cloud of witness. How I many of you remember that? Somebody is watching you. God wants to use you as an example of what salvation can be in the ages to come. Hallelujah. So you understand what it means for every man in his own order now, isn't it? Right. Every man in his own order. Christ first, become the fourth born among many brethren. How many of you remember that? Right. He rose now, he's chosen one for the four thousand to join up with him. And then the multitude of the people shall follow. Praise God. Hallelujah. Amen. <laughs> Everything is working out for the perfect will and good of the Father. The way he has designed it. Amen. Hallelujah. Read it from the message translation. There is something I want to show you. First Corinthians 15 verse 21. Something very very important. First Corinthians 15 verse 21. Message translation. And there's a word I want you to see there which is very powerful. Can you find it? 
There is a nice symmetry in this. Death initially came by a man, and resurrection from death came by a man. Now, what I want you to pick from that translation is the word symmetry. Amen? Now, read on. We'll go to that. Just read on. Everybody dies in Adam. Everybody comes alive in Christ. Can I hear an amen? Verse 23. But we have to wait our turn. Did you get that? We have to wait our turn. So it's turn by turn. That is a cue. You got to be on your turn. Hallelujah. Now you are alive not means you are in the present move of God. This is your turn. But there are other people's turn that are coming. You are not going to close the door against those people with your beliefs. You've got to wait for your turn. That's the order. Hallelujah. Christ is first. Then those with him are disappearing. You can repeat on over the four thousand. Verse 24. The grand com- consummation went after crushing the opposition. He hands over his kingdom unto who? Unto God the Father. That's another age entirely. How many of you understand that? And you think the age is closing today? You're joking. Did you get that? The final age is when everything is committed back unto who? Unto God. Right now, we're in the kingdom of Christ, if you will. You translated us and have placed unto the kingdom of his dear son. Christ is ruling. There comes a time when all, all you understand that all enemies are brought under the feet of Jesus. And what happened? He commits the kingdom unto God. And then what do you find? God shall be all in all. Can I see that? Verse 25. He said, let's go to King James. There's something, or amplify. Amplify. Look at it from verse 25. 25 and 26. Amplify translation. For Christ must be king and reign until he has put all his enemies where? Under his feet. Remember, must be king and reign. And the word is until. Is that okay? What does that mean? That means there's a time he will no longer serve the position that he's serving now. What's the next thing you find there? The last enemy to be subdued and abolished is death. Verse 27. For he, the father, have put all things in subjection under his Christ's feet. But when he says all things are put in subjection unto him, it is evident that he, the father, is exempted. Who does the subjection of all things to him? Look at verse 28. However, when everything is subjected to him, then the son himself will also subject himself to the father who put all things under him so that God will do what? May be all in all, be everything to everyone supreme, the indwelling, the controlling factor of life. This is the final thing. Did you get it now? God will be the controlling factor in every man's life. Right now you're being controlled by the spirit of his son. He's ruling and reigning as king. But there comes a time when he steps out, commits everything to the Father. God takes charge. So it's going to be between you and God. 
And that's why he said, when you pray, say, Our Father, that was to initiate them into the understanding that a time comes when your relationship is going to be between you and God as your Father. Praise God, somebody. So we're dealing with the ages to come. And not just what you think right now. This got the church age. How many of you remember Revelation chapter 4? He told, uh, what did he tell this man now? John in the beloved island. John the beloved, what did he tell him? Come up hither. That is not the rapture. Look at it. Go to Revelation chapter 4 verse number 1. I'll show you something there. Hallelujah. Are you there with me? After this, King James. Go to King James. Yeah. After this, I looked and behold, a door was opened in heaven. And the voice which I heard was at it where of a trumpet talking with me. Which said, come up hither and I will show thee things which must be hereafter. What is my hereafter? Take another translation. I want you to show you that. Immediately, I will, no, no, go back. Take another translation on that verse 1. I want to show you the word after. Okay, now that's fine there. That which must happen after this. After what? After the seven churches experiences. Did you get that? I want to show you things that will happen after the experiences of the seven churches of chapters 1 through 3. Let me show you after that. Not rapture. This is not rapture. Come up here. That doesn't mean fly out of the island of Patmos. The man was still there when God was talking. Praise God. So he was saying, I will show you things that will happen after the seven churches age. That is to say, after the church age, these are the things that are going to follow. That's what he was trying to show him. Praise God. Are you still there? So what are we saying? If Christ can reverse everything that Adam did, that means Christ is not as powerful as we have taken him. That means Adam is stronger, more powerful than who? Than Jesus Christ. But I bet you that is not true. Jesus is by far stronger. Everything Adam have damaged, Jesus is restoring. Everything Adam corrupted, Jesus is restoring. Every decay and corruption that have been in life, Jesus is restoring. There is no atom of issue on creation that have gone wrong that Adam cannot fix. I mean, Jesus cannot fix. Jesus is fixing back everything exactly the way it was before the very moment time. We are going back. Let us make mine our image after our likeness. And let it have dominion. That is God's mind from the beginning. God have no change. Hallelujah. So we're going back to that. How many of you remember in the book of Genesis chapter 9. He said the same thing to Noah. The same dominion mandate was given to Noah. Praise God. Friends listen. I can only tell you to wake up. See what God intends to do. See what God is doing. And rejoice that you are part of such people. The God is not just opening the eyes, but could be a partaker of such people that God wants to showcase on the face of the earth. Hallelujah. Amen. Praise the Lord. So like we said before, 
When you talk about the book of the Genesis of Adam, you're talking about that which pertains to Adam, the register, whatever, all of those things that pertains to Adam. Is that not true? Right. So when we talk about the Genesis or the genealogy or the generation of Jesus Christ, you're referring to everything that pertains to Christ and those who have come to believe him. Praise the living God. Hallelujah. Generation of Jesus actually should mean the register on account of the descent, I mean, in terms of descendant, and all that constitute a single line of descent from the life of Christ. Now we are talking about all that pertain to the life of Christ and also that have connection in and with him. Now we are talking about the records of all those whom by God's grace had brought into union with the Christ of God and now functioning as one family under heaven. The book of the generation of Jesus is the account of the activities of Jesus from birth to crucifixion, resurrection, and the outpouring of the Holy Spirit, and also that have become influenced by the flow of the Holy Spirit and its impact in creation. That's the book of the generation of Jesus Christ, like you find in Matthew chapter 1, verse 1. Is that okay? I just try to give you a simple definition on that. So, now let me give you what will cost you to understand it. Help me, Father. Thank you. Go with me to the book of Exodus 32. Let's look at verse 30 to verse 32. The book of Exodus. Hallelujah. Praise God. Oh, glory. So, Genesis chapter 5, verse 1, we have the genesis, generation of Adam. And then, Matthew chapter 1, verse 1, we have the generation of Jesus Christ. Is that okay? Right. So, I just want to explain something to you here. Um, Exodus 32, verse 31. Let's start from verse 31. I mean, verse 30. Verse 30. Praise God. And it came to pass on the morrow. Now, here is when uh, Moses came down and Aaron has called the people to sing by making the golden calf. You remember the story with earrings and all of that. Praise God. Now, and it came to pass on the morrow that Moses said unto the people, You have seen a great sin, and now I will go up unto the Lord, and peradventure I shall make an atonement for your sin. Go ahead. And Moses returned unto the Lord and said, Oh, these people have seen a great sin, and have made them gods of gold. Right? And they say, Yet now, if thou wilt forgive their sin, and if not, blot me, I pray thee, out of thy book which thou have written. There's a point. The book of the Genesis of Adam. The book of the generation, rather, of Adam. The book of the generation of Jesus. Now, the book which God have written. What book is this? Moses is saying, hey, listen, God, if you can't forgive these people for the sin they've committed, huh? Then you also blot me out of that book. In other words, erase my name from the book. By the way, how do you see God? If you still think God has one book that is being written, big register, the type you have in secondary school or primary school in those days, right? You come to class, they mark your name in the register. If you think that's the kind, anyway, you've been seeing that in Hollywood and Hollywood and Ghana wood and uh, Indian wood, isn't it? Bollywood. Yeah, so you go to Heaven's Gate and then 
One book is open. One angel is just sitting down there and looking at your name. And they open the pages. Okay, you start with your name is Johnson. And they go to J. And then they look at it and they couldn't see your name in the book. And they say, oh brother, your name is not a book. You go to the left side and go meet the angel of death. who will take you to Satan and going to cast you into the bottomless pit. And all of you will suffer gnashing of teeth forever and ever. Go. And then you see one angel just come and take Brother Johnson. And he's going that way. And they look at another one. And they said, oh, your name is Mike. Okay. And they say, okay, Mike. Yeah, I can see your name. You are number 52. Out of the billions of people that bears a name. <laughs> you are number 52. You are a good, good guy. Your name was recalled very, very early time. So, now you go to the right side. And then you're going to enjoy eternity with Jesus Christ. And then what happened? You see one angel just come and begin to guide you. And then you're singing hallelujah. You understand? <laughs> Praise God. And then you go to the gate of heaven. And you open. And then the next day you see your mansion. And the angel say, hey, Brother Mike, that is your mansion. And then you now walk into your mansion. And over there you're going to see angels that be putting food on your table. You know, wonderful picture. It's so funny. You understand what I'm saying now? Hey, wood, I mean book. Where does book come from? Book come from wood. Isn't it? So for you, there are a lot of paper industries in heaven. Where people are being produced and God go and buy these books and then start recording people's names. You see the way we're thinking? When even at this age, got books I got from paper, am I correct? And for you, there are going to be a meal, a lot of milling industry, you know, trashing out this wood to become pop, and then they send it to the paper and mill industry, and then they're going to produce notebooks and produce register, and God send his angel to go and buy one big register where he can write everybody's name from Adam to now. All the names have been recorded. Sheep thinking. You see, when you think that way, you're only trying to say you are smarter than God. I, 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 I use paper, but this is what all of us are using now. This not paper, this tablet. So now you are beating God. God is still using paper, you are using tablet. You see the way you think? You reduce God to nonsense, to, to somebody who is not progressive. He's still writing names on paper with pen and ink. I use tablet. Look at my brother there. He doesn't even use finger. He uses stylus. <laughs> Praise God. But for the church, God is still sitting on the table and using pen and ink. I think he's using fountain pen. Fountain pen. That that's the one you be using. The one you drop on the ink and you write. <laughs> oh my God. You see, the church has a problem. Are you seeing that? Praise God. What book is this that God wrote? Now I will call this the book of the generation of Moses. You have the book of the generation of Adam, the book of generation of Jesus. This is the book of the generation of who? Of Moses. What that's supposed to mean? Everything about Moses. Right from his bed 
to his living Egypt than to meet Jethro bringing the people to attack and redeem the children of Israel Israel becoming the firstborn of God are you following what I'm talking about through the blood of the lamb this is what you call the generation of Moses down to the law everything that Moses represented and all that followed Moses they are all the generation of the book of who? of Moses did you get that? So what do you think God is what do you say here? Hey God, listen to me. Of all these people you have brought from Egypt, if you will not forgive them because of this one sin, then don't forgive me also whatever sin. Not just that, don't count me to be your person anymore. I'm siding with these people. Praise God. That's what he's talking about. The book that God wrote was the people he brought from Egypt. That's all. And Moses was among them. Of all that he brought from Egypt, Moses was among them. So he's saying, if you're not going to forgive these people because they're saying, okay, I'm going to join them. He gave reason, remember, when he was saying, people will say, well, you said we're going to bring them out, you're going to, but you couldn't do anything. It's going to be a shame and an embarrassment unto you. So if you're not going to forgive them and allow them to continue the journey, then I'm not going to go as well. Just count me out. Blot my name out. I'm no longer your son or daughter or whatever it is. I'm no longer your priest. That's what he's saying. That's the book he wrote. What book? The nation of which people of Israel. Praise the living God. Oh, we don't understand that. Amen. So that is just what the Bible is teaching you. And that's what Moses was saying here. So when you read about the book God has written, what book did he write? It's just the people of, of Israel that came out of Egypt. What book is God writing today or has he written? The Christians who believe in Jesus Christ. That's the book he's written today. Hallelujah. I will make you see that when we get done. I'll make you see that. Praise God. But let's look at Philippians 4 verse number 3. I'll close here. But I'm going to take it up much more. Philippians 4 verse number 3. Mm-hmm. Oh glory, glory. I love this. This is the first time God shot me into understanding the issue of the books, this passage. Look at that. And I entreat thee also, through your fellows, help those women which labored with me in the gospel, with Clement also, and with other my fellow laborers, whose names are we in the book of life. How did Paul know people like Clement and all those women, their names are in He hasn't even gone to heaven yet. Yeah, I'm not going to that gate, but you saw the names there. You see how cheap we can think. Moses saw the book. Paul saw the book. Why can't you see your name in the book? I will explain this to you next week in a deeper dimension. But if Paul could see some people's name and even mention their names, you too can go to heaven and see the book. Praise God. Are you following what I'm talking about? What Paul is saying here, hey, come on, greet all the fellow brethren who are Christians, who are in the faith, who are laboring with the gospel. Greet them. That's all. All those who are in the gospel, who believe the message of God, they are in the book of life. You don't need to go to heaven to find your name. You don't need to go to heaven to know whose name is written. If Paul can see, you can see. And if you don't know, then you are a slave. Hallelujah. 
Are you following what I'm saying here? Friends, what am I trying to make you understand? There's a complete restoration that God is doing. Everything that Adam destroyed, Jesus is restoring. But God is doing this in ages, turn by turn. Every man in his own order. Are you following me? I am saying this, get mad with me if you want. No one is going to be lost. Otherwise, Jesus is not as powerful as Adam. Praise God. You say that's your thinking. Praise God is my thinking. And I know I have the spirit of God. Can I hear the man? Glory. So we, we must stop all this happy thinking. That is why we can't say the world to be what Jesus came to redeem. No, we are not saying it. You say, what, what about all this that are going on? So who cares? That will stop God from doing what he's doing. When a man dies, the spirit goes back to God. Is the flesh that are being killed? Oh, glory. Hallelujah. The flesh is one. People are being killed. But while I'm killing the flesh, they are not killing the spirit. The spirit is going back to God. Praise God. Let our thinking change. Let's come to understand what God is saying. And stand by what God is saying. And what God intends to do. Everything that Adam destroyed, I repeat, is going to be restored by Jesus Christ. And when that full restoration comes, God will be world all in all. The full expression, the life force in everybody's life. God will be the one ruling and nobody else. And that is what Jesus is doing. Bit by bit, is restoring man to the place where God will have ultimate control over the world and over man's life. And I bet you Jesus is going to succeed. Praise God. Thank you so much. Thank you for listening to Dr. David Ogaga. We know you have been blessed by this station. You can share this message with your friends and loved ones. For more information, inquiries, and free downloads, please visit www.davidogaga.org or you can send us an email admin at gkai.net. God bless you.